This is the Mountain Bikes Park podcast. This week I'm talking Scottish mountain biking trails and the big five you need to get your wheels on. Thanks for joining me. Hey folks and welcome to another Mountain Bikes Park podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to all things mountain biking, from new bikes and upgrades to skills and trails. So first things first this week, I've got a bit of feedback, which is quite nice, uh, from uh, Curtis Ellathorpe. I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Curtis. Uh, he wrote in to give us a bit of feedback on the previous episode. So I hope you joined us in the last episode uh, where we were talking mountain biking kit and what you need to take with you uh, to, to be, well, to be prepared for a day in the trails. So this is what Curtis had to say. I listened to the latest podcast and once again, great job. I thought I would give a suggestion with the toolkits I would add in a Ziploc bag. For those of us that don't ride in the rain, US riders in drier climates, for example, as much as you guys living in the UK. So if it starts raining, you can drop your phones and such in a bag and they won't get ruined. Inside the bag, I would keep, uh, well, I do keep, <laughs> he says, cash and coins and a note with his name and people whom should get contacted if I get injured and can't make the contact myself. The cash is for food and parts and coins for a phone booth and all this is fairly light and kept in his saddle bag for quick rides or the big bag for long rides. So that's great stuff, Curtis. Thanks very much for that. That is actually a really good point. Uh, especially in Scotland here, we get absolutely soaked on quite a lot of rides. And I rely on my, uh, my. I've got a really nice um, little backpack, which has a rain cover, which I pull out if it starts raining, but stuff inside still can get a bit soaked when it's really throwing it down. So uh, yeah, a Ziploc bag's a great idea. Uh, and I tend to I do tend to worry a little bit with my, uh, my phone in the bag sometimes um, when it's raining. Also, the other stuff as well, like the coins, um, a bit of money is always a good idea just in case your uh, wallet falls out or something or you don't take your wallet, maybe it's too heavy. Uh, even just a little bit for some fitter parts when you get lost. Uh, or yeah, coins for a phone booth, <laughs> just in case your mobile phone does get too soaked and there's a bit of an emergency. So yeah, thanks for that, Curtis. Great stuff. Uh, and I'd always encourage anyone to give me some feedback. If they do think there's anything to add to any of the previous episodes, please just let me know. Um you can always get in contact uh, by just going to mountainbikespark.com and leave a comment on the podcast post. So uh, you can always find the latest uh, podcast post by going to mountainbikespark.com forward slash and the episode number. So for example, if you want feedback on this episode, go to mountainbikespark.com forward slash 10 or for that previous one about kit, it would be mountainbikespark forward slash, uh, sorry, mountainbikespark.com forward slash nine, just the numeral nine or the numeral 10. Or even better, if you can leave me a voicemail message, I've just installed a new voicemail tool on the website. So you can go onto the website if you go to mountainbikespark.com and you'll always find a little tab on the bottom right of the website that says leave a voicemail and that'll just let you record something. So if you've got a little headset mic like a Skype mic or something like that, you can leave me a voicemail uh, and I can put it on the podcast so you can get your voice on the podcast in future. Uh, and uh, obviously you can ask any questions you like, feedback on previous episodes and uh, there's always a chance to promote your own stuff there if you're a, a mountain bike writer or a trainer or whatever, you're always, uh, you can always mention that if you want as long as you give me some good feedback or good content for the episode 
last thing, just to mention a little review I got, um, I'm going to start mentioning the reviews that I'm getting on iTunes as well, because I'm getting some really nice ones on there. I really appreciate that from you folks. It's great to hear that people are actually enjoying the podcast. So first one here is from Mulligan4 from America, just says he's been enjoying the podcast and mountain biking, nice laid back format and covering some good topics so far. Keep it coming. More episodes and longer episodes if possible. So thanks very much for that, Mulligan. Uh, And yes, I do agree. More episodes would be good. I'm going to try and uh, get them out a bit more regularly from now on, at least every fortnight. Um, So I would, yeah, I would, I would really like to start doing that a bit more regularly. Uh, I'm going to try and do a few more interviews, which should give us a bit more content too, uh, and hopefully get a few friends on the podcast as well. But yeah, I'll definitely try and live up to that request, Mulligan. Um, if anyone else wants to leave a review on iTunes, I'd really appreciate it. It's great for getting the podcast out um, to more people. So just pop on there. You have to go into the iTunes app and then find the podcast in your subscription list and then hit the review button. Okay, so that's enough of that stuff. Five minutes of uh, introductions. Uh, so let's get on to the main topic. So this week, as I mentioned at the intro, I want to be talking about... Um, trails. So this was leading on from a question I got from uh, Gavin Clafton a couple of months back. Uh, So thanks very much for this, Gavin. Uh, He asked about, um, well, let me read out his question. He says, in terms of trails, I know a lot of stuff is out there, but it'd be great to have a top 10 bucket list of UK trails. Well, uh, I'm not going to do 10 in one episode, because I think that's probably a bit to cover. Uh, So what I'm going to do is do five, and I'm going to cut it down to Scotland for the moment. So I'm going to try and do a lot of trail guides on this podcast in future, Um, because I think that uh, it's good to cover areas. It's good to get into a lot of detail so that people know where they can go riding, uh, know where the good places to go riding are, because you do get trails in so many different styles. Uh, and not every trail suits every rider. So I want to go through kind of wider ones like I'm going to do today. So today I'm just going to go through the top five that I like in Scotland. And then I'll mention a few others that you can look into as well. So I'll give you top five in detail and then give you a kind of... Um, next ones to look at as well and then in future i'm going to cover um top five in england top five in wales and get people on to cover top five elsewhere in the world as well so if you have a good idea about trails in your region so if you're from the us uh, and you think you can cover say um western america central america eastern america whatever uh, do get in touch just give me a shout via the website just go into mountainbikespark.com and there's all sorts of contact methods there um, let me know I'd love to get more people on to cover those trail areas that I don't know so much about I mean, Scotland is my uh, my local playground so I can give uh, tons of info on the trails around Scotland there, not, there aren't many trails around Scotland that I've not ridden um, so I can give you plenty here but even England for example that's not far from me but I still haven't ridden many of the English uh, trail centres so I'll probably try and get somebody else on to cover them uh, similar with the Welsh uh, I've done a good um, a good uh, tour of the Welsh trail centres in the past but um, certainly only been around uh, three or four of them once each so I don't feel that qualified to talk about them or which one's the best uh, so I'll get somebody on and we'll have a good chat about that in the future but we'll start with the Scottish ones my area of expertise and then move on from there um, and I will try and do some more detailed area guides as well so for example southwest scotland i'll talk about one of them today uh but um there are uh, four or five trails down there which are really worth visiting so try and go into those areas too in future but uh i remember there's always some trail guides on the website as well so if you go to mountainbikespark.com you can always find some trail guides on there if you're looking for detail right now 
So that gives a good intro. So let's go through them. So I've got five trails I want to talk about. These are probably, well, am I going to say this is in order? Okay, I'll stick my neck out and say this is in order of my favourites. Because I do, it's kind of, it's quite hard to say what your favourite trail is. Because like I've said, it depends on your mood. It depends on what type of riding you want to do. Some trails are great for a good uh, cross-country blast. Others are great just if you want to get some excitement in the downhill. So they can differ depending on your mood, depending on what you want to do. But I've written these five down um, and I'll go through them in the order that I think, uh, well, I'll go down from uh, uh, from not so favourite to most favourite. But to be honest, all five of these are amazing trails, so they should all be in the favourites. It's just that the one I mentioned last will be the most favourite. <laughs> so first one I'm going to talk about is Lagan. So there's a trail called Lagan Wolf Tracks, which is a little south of Aviemore in Scotland. Uh, you can get to uh, Lagan. Oh, well, Lagan is a town. Lagan Wolf Tracks is a trail just outside of Lagan, the town. Uh, and it's about probably about an hour and a half north of the central belt. So if you were in Glasgow, Edinburgh, it'd take you maybe an hour and a half or so to get to Lagan. Um, maybe a little bit more, but it's just south of Aviemore. So Aviemore is a good uh, place to go for outdoor activity in general. And you can end up in Lagan if you want to um, uh, go do a bit of mountain biking while you're staying in Aviemore. So Lagan is a trail centre that's been around for a while. Um, I uh, One of the first times I ever went to Lagan was for a Scottish Cross Crunchy Series race. Um, they do a, a leg there every now and again. I don't think they've got one in Lagan this year, actually, but that was around uh, 2009 or so. Uh, where I did a race in Lagan with them. It's a really good race, actually, and it introduced me to the trails, and I've been up a ton of times since then. Um, now, Lagan uh, has a... F- well, it's grown quite a lot over the... Uh, well, since I first visited, certainly. When I first visited, Lagan was basically a... Um, it had some facilities down the bottom, so it had um, showers, it had a cafe, it had a shop. Uh, it's got a good-sized car park, and it's got a wee kind of skills bit at the very bottom. Um so it's got really good facilities actually for a trail centre that is actually relatively away from civilization. Uh, but the trail itself was essentially you climb up a Landover track uh, for probably 20-30 minutes and then there's one trail down which had a couple of splits on the way. So there's a couple of varieties um, you could take but mainly it was just that one big Landover track climb and then some really great trails on the way down. Now, Lagan, I've always thought of as quite a technical trail. It's got a lot of little um, sort of rock gardens, a lot of little technical things that you can test out your skills on on the way down. So it's not a pure um, speed and uh, adrenaline trail, uh, but it does have a bit of that as well. It's got uh, one of the biggest boardwalks I've ever been on. <laughs> it's got a huge big North Shore boardwalk, uh, probably close to 200 metres long. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it's a long thing that'll test you a couple of bits, uh, test your nerve a couple of bits. I mean, it's it's not difficult, it's wide, but it certainly can make you nervous because it gets a little bit high in a couple of places uh, and it's long. Um, so, uh, and the rest of it, Lagan is also linked up by just some nice natural, um, rooty, tree-lined uh, bits of the trail as well. So it's a good mix. Uh, it's probably not where you'd go for pure speed and adrenaline. Like I say, it's not got the biggest jumps. Uh, well, actually, do you know what? They've changed a little bit since I was last up and they've expanded it a wee bit. Um, and they've got a much more flowing, longer section, which is more kind of just fast flowing switchbacks with jumps on it so it is a bit more along those lines now um, so lagging's great for um for a bit of variety 
for uh, being able to go up there and spend actually a day there, go up and down a few times, try the different sections, and certainly there's some good testing areas um, within it. Now, the reason this is probably number five on my list rather than number one uh, is because one of my, uh, I was writing down what I was going to say about each trail, uh, and the last thing I was going to say about each is uh, highlights. And lagging just while Lagan is a really good, great, solid trail, it, when I was thinking about it, it doesn't really have it doesn't have anything hugely memorable. It doesn't have any of those real highlights. Um, there's one bit where there's a bit of a there's a big granite slab, which is quite a, an exciting bit for uh, especially if you're quite new to biking. It's easy enough for those that are experienced, but um, certainly a, a challenge for intermediates to beginners. But other than that. There's not really that much that's hugely memorable. The main thing that's memorable is the trail itself. I just always remember it as being a really good fun ride with a huge amount of variety and a load of testing bits. So it really does test out your skills, improve you a bit with the technical parts. So um, anyway, yeah, Lagan's a great place to go. So you should head up there if you're ever in Scotland. Okay, on to number four. Now, this is one that up until a few years back, I had heard of hardly any mountain bikers that knew about it. Um, it's in the southwest of Scotland, so it's a wee bit further out the way. It's not in the central belt, close to where people always end up. And uh, it not only is it in the southwest of Scotland, but it's probably the furthest west, so it's probably the hardest to get to out of most of the trails. And that is Carochtree. Now, Carochtree is... Um, well, okay, let's go through it in the order I said I was going to. So facilities first. Grocery, uh, it's got a big car park. It's got a shop. It's got a cafe. Um, so it's well-serviced. It's a good trail in terms of um, being able to get there and get, if you've forgotten stuff, get parts, get bikes, get new kit. Uh, the shop's not the biggest in the world. It's not um, It's not sort of a, a full-on bike shop. You don't be able to get anything there, but you can get enough parts and they'll be able to sort you out if there's something broken on your bike. Um So yeah, good facilities. Uh, It's in a normal um, Forestry Commission uh, area, so you can even take the family as a park there that you can uh, take the kids on after the ride if you want to take it there. Uh, Crockery's also got a little um, skills trail. So there's a wee skills loop that you can go around just to uh, get warmed up or to give somebody a wee taste of the drops and the climbs and all that kind of stuff before you take them out on the proper trail. Now, as I was saying, Crockery was a bit unknown until recently, um, and then I saw, uh, um, well, I can't remember which magazine it was, maybe Mountain Bike Rider um, covered it uh, in their magazine, and they basically called it the kind of the biggest, uh, the best unexplored trail centre in the country. Uh, so they were given it a really good write-up, uh, and sort of admitting the fact that not many people know about it. So it has been a lot busier the last few times I've been down. Now, whether that's just because mountain biking is becoming more popular, which I think it is, or whether it's just because it's been getting a few more write-ups recently, I'm not sure. By the way, it's, uh, it's certainly getting a bit more widely used now. Now, it's a funny trail in that there's not a huge up and down. So you don't gain a massive amount of height or lose a massive amount of height over the whole um, distance. There's no massive mountains to climb over. Karoch tree is all about the flow. So Karoch tree is, it, it's just the most flowing trail you've ever, well, I've ever been on, certainly. You just can keep speed the whole way through it. You know, most mountain biking trails, there's sections of up where you're just plodding away, you're climbing along the switchbacks, and then you get a blast of downhill. And it kind of continues that. And most trails, well, 
a majority of trails I would say are like that and that works well I mean that's great because you get um, a good bit of exercise you get some technical ups you get some nice fast downs Karakotri isn't so much like that it's more just you just keep pedaling but you love it because there's just so much swooping and sliding and just flying around corners uh, in between the trees over jumps and drops that you just never even notice are there there's all these natural obstacles like it's there's a lot of rock there uh the southwest of scotland trails are all quite characteristic of that they've got loads of granite loads of rocky outcrops and rocky ups and downs so you come at you're flying around a corner and then suddenly there's just this big boulder in front of you but it's part of the trail so you're you're going at speed and if you just take a bit of weight off the front tire um couple of quick pedal strokes and you can be up and over this boulder and it just you give a massive whoop of excitement just because you're you, this massive thing that you just if you were if you're going slow and you were coming up to you think i was supposed to get up that you would get off you'd carry your bike up it but because you hit it with speed and um, because of the flow of carocetry you just fly over these things uh, and it's the same with the wee downs as well there's little downhills that include a lot of these rocks and uh, and obstacles and stuff and for some reason the flow of carocetry just draws you into it and you just fly over these things um which would just totally stop you in your tracks and any other trail so that's the beauty of carocetry it's just so fast flowing and exciting highlights as well things that make it stick in your mind uh is for example mcmoab mcmoab is uh, famous in mountain biking circles and in fact if you're listening to this podcast you've probably seen a picture of it because uh the podcast image uh, you know the picture that comes in the front of the podcast that's got my uh, logo on it um the picture of that is of my brother bruce cycling up mcmoab so you can see the logo you can see blue sky above the logo and you can see rock below the logo and that is the rock of mcmoab uh, so it's just a huge big um granite outcrop uh, that they've created a trail over so it's something you spend maybe 20 minutes trying to go over and there's all these little cracks and jumps and it kind of it almost turns into a trials uh route at one point where you have to edge your way over bits and you're kind of jumping between rocks it's not quite i mean you don't need to be a proper trials rider but there's definitely a bit of balance required a bit of track standing um some endos and wheelies to get over stuff uh so um yeah it's just it's a great obstacle and it finishes with you cycle up to the end of mcmoab and there's a there's a normal way out which turn down left and uh, go down a little switchbacky trail or you can turn right and drop off this um essentially it's a, a ramp off the top of mcmoab uh which uh, most of it is a cliff so it's a cliff that's probably about 15 20 feet high. no it's higher than that actually it's probably doing it meters maybe 10 meters high uh, so you'd never jump it you'd, you wouldn't be able to slide down it on your bike but there's this one little slipway that you can get down which is probably at about 75-80 degrees so it's close to vertical uh, but it's doable it's terrifying but it's doable uh, and that sort of finishes off Moab so um, for those of you US bikers or even anywhere else you've probably heard of uh, Moab which is the um, Utah Slick Rock Trails uh, it's named after that because it's kind of Scotland's version of that. It's nowhere near as big as the Utah Slick Rock, but um, uh, it's our it's a Scottish version and it's great fun. So that's one of the highlights, or that is the highlight of Crocktree, and that's right out at the end as well. You've got the Crocktree, you've got the red and the black runs, so you can come back in early 
with the red and essentially the black run is an extension so you go out and out and out with the red and then you can jump on the black and go out and out and out further and then come back and join the same part of the red so if you want to do them at moab you've got to do the full black run and end up in moab which is essentially the furthest away point from the start so anyway, that's Crocktree. Well worth a visit if you're in Scotland and you can get down to the southwest of Scotland. Uh, it's almost at Stranraer, so uh, even coming across from Ireland, it's actually the shortest trip. But if you're coming from the US, no doubt you'll be landing in uh, the Central Belt, Glasgow, and it's a trip down, maybe a couple of hours down from there. Uh, so yeah, easy enough to get to. So that's number four. Number three and two are related a little bit. Uh so there's a part of Scotland, uh, probably the most famous trails in Scotland, and in fact, what many people consider um, the best trails in the country, or the best. In fact, been, it's been awarded the best trail centre in, in the country by a couple of magazines in the past. Quite, got quite a few sort of plaudits from people. It's always considered definitely up there, number one, number two, number three of trail centres in the entire UK. And they are Glentress and Inner Leaven. So if you're into mountain biking in the UK, you've almost certainly heard of both of them. Now, they are two separate trail centres, but they're kind of just called the Tweed Valley um, because they are very close together. They're only about three miles apart. In fact, maybe a little bit more than that, but very close together. So you can cycle between them and treat them as a full day ride um, together. Or you can cycle them both separately. Uh, Facilities-wise... Uh, Glentress is probably the best facilitated, <laughs> whatever you want to say, uh, trail centre in the whole of Scotland. Uh, it's got, um, especially since it's been done up a bit as well, it, it used to have a great shop, bike wash, uh, a night or a lovely wee cafe. Um, it's actually been upgraded now and it's got what's called the Peel, which is a big, massive, custom built, um, sort of pine looking centre with a huge cafe, uh, all the sort of showers, bike wash, all that kind of stuff, huge car park and a fully equipped shop and uh, repair section. So you can buy new bikes, so you can buy pretty much anything you want there. It's a proper bike shop and get anything repaired you want too. So facilities wise, Glentress is amazing. Uh, there's even some accommodation on site. There's a hotel right next door and there's a couple of those uh, teepees that you get, you know, the kind of wooden tents that you can find some places. Um, they only cost like 40, 50 quid to stay in uh, for a few people. In fact, I think it's less than that now that I, now that I say that. Um, so you can actually stay on site really easily um, and uh, enjoy Glentress. Now, I'll do them separately. Uh, well, actually, sorry, to finish the facilities, Inner Leithen, however, doesn't really have any in the way of facilities. It's not got anything at all. It's just got a car park and that's it. So don't turn up at Inner Leithen expecting to uh, get a shower, a toilet, um, or be able to buy anything or even any food. Uh, it is right next to Inner Leithen, the village, however, uh, which has a bike shop in it. A uh, great wee bike shop in Inner Leithen that you can buy all your parts um, or get repairs done. Uh, and Inner Leithen itself, uh, the village has got uh, plenty of shops and cafes and things like that and loads of accommodation too. Uh, so you can always um, get whatever you like in the, in the village itself rather than Inner Leithen. So that covers the facilities for both. I'll go through the, the rest of the stuff separately. So I've got Glentress at number three. Um, so it's I'm counting it as slightly less favourite as Inner Leithen, even though um, I've of all the trail centres in the world, I've ridden most at Glentress by a long shot. Um, and the reason for that is Glentress is just so... Um, it's just so rideable. Glentress is uh, one of the older trail centres in Scotland. It's one of the most kind of custom-built trail centres. So 
it's it's got loads of sections in it that are really well created just for pure excitement and fun um so so I'll walk you quickly through it. We won't spend too long on it, but walk you quickly through it. You come out the, the car park of Glentress, park right at the bottom, and the climb, uh, initial climb's actually really good fun. One of the things that makes Glentress great is that the climbing even is quite interesting. So the first section is up through the forest. You've got a few obstacles. You've got loads of uh, little skinnies and little rock obstacles to sort of test yourself as you're climbing up. Um, and then you pop on to an option where you can choose between a Landover track up to the Buzzard's Nest or you can take uh, a new single track that they built only a couple of years ago. Um, so the single track is quite good fun. I always take that, although my friends seem to prefer the Landover track just to get there quicker. Um, you get up to Buzzard's Nest and you've got a couple of options here. You can either continue up to get to the red and the black runs or the blue runs as well. Um or there's a couple of things here. One is a skills loop. So it's got a really nice little skills loop, which has pretty much everything you'd ever expect to find on a proper trail. Uh, so it's got, um, you know, it's got drops, it's got uh, rock gardens, it's got uh, jumps, it's got bomb holes, it's got just about everything. So you can take anyone up to Glentress skills loop and teach them a bunch of skills, get them ready for the proper trail. Uh, it's one of the best skills loop, skills loops I've found uh, around the country. So really worth taking someone there if you get the chance. But the highlight at the Buzzard's Nest is the uh, uh, the play park, essentially. I don't know what else to call it. The play park is a, um, it's a free ride section uh, and it goes probably, well, it's I don't know how long it is, but it's a massive free ride section, which you see kids uh, well, and grown-ups <laughs> playing around on absolutely tons at any time of the day. It's got huge tabletops. It's got flowing, uh, massive berms, huge drops. Uh, it's got pretty much everything you'd ever want in a free ride track there, um, and uh, it's great fun. It's got the thing is, it's got a variety of them as well. So it's got a couple that are suited to just really exciting, normal cross-country downhill stuff. So huge berms, nice jumps, uh, but all manageable. Then it's got faster ones with bigger jumps, bigger berms. And then it's got this sort of full-on freeride track, which has been the longest, which has the massive tabletops and a couple of jumps that would test even pretty advanced mountain bikers. So pretty much whatever skill you're at, it's got, it's got what you need. It's got everything you need. Um, so it's a great fun. You could spend an afternoon there, spend a whole day there. And I see people doing that um, quite easily. So yeah, the Freeride Park at Glentress is uh, it's a huge highlight for the place. Um, it's not something, you know, that I've used that often because I prefer to go up and actually do the cross-country trail because the cross-country trail is so good um, and I tend to like a bit of exercise with my biking anyway. Uh, so I'd rather do that than kind of walk up and down the Freeride Trail. Um, so anyway, but it's there for anyone that wants it. Uh, so I tend to though go cycling up past the Freeride Trail and then you've got the option to go into either the black or the red. Now, um, the Black Run is, it's an amazing trail. It's brilliant. It's really long. It's, well, it's not really long. It's about 25 to 20, uh, I think it's about 29k it's listed as, but there's all sorts of variations you can do. Um, say around 30k, between 25 and 30k. And uh, the Black Run's natural. So the Black Run's really rocky, really stony. It's more like just a walking trail that you'll find on a mountain. Uh, but there are lots of sort of naturalist jumps built into it. Uh, loads of great downhills swooping through the trees. Um, the Black Run's a bit of an expedition. So it's great if you want to spend a full afternoon or a full morning out. It'll take you, taking your time, not blasting around it. It'll take sort of three hours or so. Uh, 
you can do it a bit quicker than that but give yourself three to four hours if it's the first time and you want to not kill yourself on the way around and have a bit of conversation but black run's good it's great um for a trip out uh but like i say it's a bit more natural it's more uh, more of an expedition just exploring the countryside um but still getting a bit of um a bit of great downhill in there too if you turn on to the red run however the red run's a lot more sculpted a lot more man-made a lot more trail center style um and that's good trust me the red run is one of the best runs in the country barring of course <laughs> the two that i'm going to talk about next um so the red run you go further up uh, again more nice interesting up um, and then you hit uh, the very top which uh, has spooky wood as the first section and spooky wood is one of the most fun downhill sections you'll find um it's just it's about three three and a half minutes or so of pure fast downhill with jumps drops everything you can think of um not so sculpted that it's smooth you still feel the bumps of the road uh, and uh, suspension will certainly be uh, well front and back will certainly help you out but it's a great section then you go on to a bunch of other sections as well um, it's split into probably four or five bits on the way down uh, so you get breaks as you stop at each section and you get choices as well so there's two or three different things you can do um, on the way but yeah, there's uh, the style of it. Yeah, that's definitely a bit more man-made. It's more boardwalks, more sculpted trails, that type of stuff. But it's just, yeah, great fun. Uh, aside from that as well, the Blue Run's actually really good in Glentress. It's a lot more sculpted. It's a lot more kind of really flat, less rocky, less stony. Uh, great for more um, lower-level bikers to get the skills, but still exciting for uh, higher-level bikers as well if you just fly down it. Uh, and there's even there's a green run there too so if you ever want to take the family down to Glentress there's plenty for you to do with them as well so I, I feel like I've uh, I've talked up Glentress a fair bit I'm kind of struggling about how uh, I'm going to say the next two are any better but um, I'm, st- I'm going to stick to my guns and say yes and Aledon is better than Glentress part of the reason for that I have to admit though is that Aledon is only about five minutes further drive from Glentress but it's so much quieter. That's the one downside of Glentress is that because it's so popular, because it's so well known, it's often really busy. Uh, at the weekends, say, on a, on a nice Saturday afternoon, you, you've you got to go along expecting to be held up a fair bit, to be cycling around people, um, especially beginners, actually. Uh, well, sorry, I'll say that again. If you're a bit more of an advanced mountain biker, you're almost certainly going to have to be sort of making way for some beginner bikers on this trail because there's a lot of them there and that's definitely a good thing i love the fact that they're getting into it um and you should be as an advanced biker you should be encouraging these folk to stay into it helping them with the skills not intimidating them by cycling right up their asses uh but just go along being aware that there will be slower cyclists on this uh on this trail but if you drive another five minutes, you get to Inner Leithen, which is at least as good as Glentress and has hardly anyone on it. And for some reason, I have no idea why. It's just that people don't really know about Glentress, uh, about Inner Leithen as much. It just, yeah, it's just a bit less known. It's actually it's longer as well. So it's less of a convenient circuit. Um, so maybe that puts people off a little bit. And it doesn't have the facilities, I suppose. It doesn't have the toilets, the shops, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's probably about it, really. There's really just one circuit at Inner uh, It's counted as a red, uh, and it is a red. There's a couple of black sections on it. It's 19k long, so it's not a huge trail by any means, uh, but it's got a few options to add on to it. 
Uh, so you climb up out the car park in Inalee, and there's a huge climb at the start. Uh, and um, there is uh, there's a lovely uh, technical uh, climb at the start as well, where you come off the Land Rover track style of stuff, uh, and you suddenly hit a series of step ups, uh, which will test just about anyone. Um, so you can get up if you can get up the first few you're doing well and then you've got a few towards the end there's probably about seven or eight in total and this the two or three but towards the end are really tricky so it gives you a nice little test at the start and then you're up through uh, the forest and onto some really natural nice single track climbing um, there's a cool little section on the climb at the start where you suddenly go down a bit and there's a steep little um, set of switchbacks uh, which um are good fun but then they lead into this huge big bomb hole so there's a massive big bomb hole which has got a jump on the other side which is good fun to play around in uh, and then there's a couple of dropouts from there but you keep going up uh, the climb is uh, quite long so you're basically going all the way up and then all the way down it's a bit of a uh, a mountain in that respect so you just climb 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 and then you're all the way all the way down to the end um not quite true there's a couple of climbs towards the end but mostly that's the case but the downhill sections are where Inalithan uh, really shines. There's once you get up to the top of uh, Minch Moor, uh, you have the option to go around and, uh, well, there is a shortcut there which brings you back, but don't take that. Take the longer route and you end up on this big, long, flowing, super fast section, which is just amazing. You just get such a lot of speed up. Uh, you're flying over these drops. You hit these uh, two or three foot drop-offs, which you don't even feel because you're going so fast. Uh, and you can't help but shout as you're flying over them. Um, and then as you come down further, you hit um, a few other uh, downhill sections before coming on to the actual official downhill. So Inalithan has some real downhill sections. So I'm saying downhill there um, before, as in cross-country downhill stuff. So you've not got the massive jumps, the massive tabletops. But Inalithan has also held um, quite a few of the official downhill championship races because it's got three or four uh, actual downhill tracks that people walk up their huge, big, uh, you know, heavy downhill steeds. So you've got a couple of them to try out as well. Um, they're great fun. Uh, even if you're just a cross-country biker, they're still great fun, still good fun to try out. Just be aware of some of the uh, the doubles that you'll fly over. I've been uh, caught by a couple of doubles in the past where I've jumped off one and landed on the uh, upside of the other uh, and I've uh, been pinged over the front of my bike. Um, but as long as you ride them a couple of times slower and then you can sort of uh, try and... Uh, fly them the next time they're great uh, and the real highlight of Inalithan is the last section which is called Cadden Bank uh, and it starts with three drops uh, stroke jumps and I'm sure they definitely drops might be jumps as well uh, which uh, when I was starting biking were always my my challenge my nemesis so there's one you go down you go through this little rock garden um not exactly a hard one, but it's not. It's a wee bit challenging as a beginner. You go down through that, and then there's one drop, which has um, probably about a foot in height, so it's not bad at all. You're going downhill as well, so it's not a big impact when you land. But there's uh, then there's the next drop, probably about another ten meters on, which gets a bit bigger, gets a bit more intimidating. This one's about two foot probably. Um, and the thing with these two drops is they're not huge, but they're definitely intimidating because you're on the edge of this big hill as well. 
uh, which is really steep, drop off to the right. Uh, and they have very conveniently put two very obvious chicken runs to the left of these drops. So it's very easy to come towards these drops and uh, think, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. And I, oh, I'm not going to do it because you just veer off to the left and down the chicken runs. So it's always very easy to chicken out, uh, which is all, almost a bit annoying because uh, I, in my beginner years, I did uh, do that quite often. Uh, and then the big challenge is the last one. So you've got the third drop uh, and it amounts to probably about three or four foot, um, probably more than that if you count the speed you've got to be going at to actually um, do it decently and not drop down on your front wheel uh, because I, because it's quite a steep drop away. So you're going to jump off and you're going to go forward quite a bit down the hill and land. But the first time I actually did that one, I remember being amazed at how little impact there really was when you landed, despite the fact that you're probably dropping about five foot by the time you land. Um, but it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was what, what, probably the reason that I love interleaving so much is mainly to do with those set of jumps in that last section, um, combined with the fact that it's so good and quiet. Uh, because the first time I actually managed them was kind of a watershed for me. That was me. I'd made it as a as a decent mountain biker, um, and I always uh, I still get a wee uh, a wee tightening in the sphincter when I'm going over that last little uh, last little jump. It's uh, it's certainly not easy, even if even once you get pretty good. Um, so yeah, it's good. It's good fun. But yeah, inner leading's well worth a visit. That's my number two in Scotland. So to tie up the number one, my favourite trail in Scotland, and. Uh, slightly disappointingly uh, because it's bloody miles away is uh, Golsby, the Highland Wildcat Trails and now for people that don't know Scotland uh, you might be a bit annoyed I'm going to say this is the number one because it's uh, it's literally about an hour and a half north of Inverness and Inverness is already the arse end of nowhere really um, so if you're landing in the if you're visiting Scotland you're going to probably be more close to the central belt uh, so it's about three hours north from the central belt to Inverness well, maybe a bit under that, but about that, and an hour north from that to Golsby. But Golsby trails are just, they're crazy. They're just, I can't, I, I st- whenever I talk about them, I can't really believe that they're there, so far away from civilization, and yet so well made and so, um, so great. <laughs> so I'll talk you through them. Golsby, facilities wise, got absolutely bugger all. Uh, they've got um, no toilets, no shop, no anything. I think even the town Golsby, I never checked myself when I was up there last time actually, but uh, I think even the town of Golsby probably doesn't have a bike shop. It's a tiny wee place. I wouldn't be surprised. Although, do you know what? It's a year or so, uh, in fact, probably a couple of years since I've been up there. Um, so there might well be more there now than there used to be. But the last time I was there, there was nothing. You would park in any number of uh, car parks in the town or a little bit close by and you have to kind of navigate your way onto the trails at the bottom of Golsby. So it's actually, it's not even that easy to find in the first place. Once you're onto the trails, they're really well marked, but um, there's no kind of official starting point. Uh, Or certainly, again, there wasn't when I was there last. Uh, So we parked at this little car park which isn't a mountain biking car park by any means, but it was in the start of one of the trails that leads to it. And there was a little sign that said this way to the Golsby mountain biking trails. Um, So you've got a good bit of cross country to get to it. There's a good bit of distance you've got to cover to get to the bottom of the official mountain biking stuff. A wee bit of Land Rover track. But as soon as you get onto the mountain biking trails, you know it. There's... um, some of the most technical climbs I've found are at Golsby. So you've got these rocky, horrible, spiky climbs. Um, and I say horrible as in horribly difficult, but actually great fun trying to get up them. Um, and if you can get all the way up 
Golspie without putting a foot down, then you're already qualifying and uh, at least in the intermediate level, if not up to advanced. Because uh, there's some of it plenty that I had to dab a couple of times last time I was up. I'm not saying that I'm certainly not in the ed, uh, high advanced range, but um, yeah, there's definitely some pretty tricky stuff there. Uh, so the climb's good fun, if a little long, um, but it's just once you get up there. Now, Golspie is the epitome of the uh, the sort of spiky mountain trail. So you go all the way up, all the way up, and all the way down, all the way down. There's not there's no climbs on the way down again. It's just all the way down, and they claim to have the longest descent in uh, the country. So I'm not sure if that's changed again because there's been a couple of new trails since uh, since I was up there. But that was what they claimed and it felt like it as well. So you're up at the top. The views are absolutely amazing. You've got these views. It's a, it's actually a mountain you get to the top of. Um, there's, a, there's a massive statue up there, which is quite cool to go and have a look at. But if you stand there, you can see basically right out over the sea. Um, of the north of Scotland uh, so you're looking off into the highlands uh, one way out over the uh, I think it's the Murrayfirth possibly uh, the other way uh, down towards Inverness and it's just amazing when you're up there uh, but even more amazing is if you look down and you see the trail stretching ahead of you it's this just well the start of it is just this it looks like you're um, perfectly custom built uh, downhill um, you go onto the trail there starts it starts with a few good jumps some nice lipped jumps like really well sculpted jumps quite a sculpted trail uh and then you end up on these massive tabletops as well and there's just it's just crazy the speed you can get up on this and the berms that they're offering and it's it's an absolute blast that first section and that's amazing enough but then suddenly you fly off this this amazing downhill custom built section and just drop into the forest like it's a like it's a whole a cave um into the darkness and suddenly you've got a, a huge long section of some of the most uh, intricate exciting little natural single track that you'll ever find just crisscross with the roots and and turns and little tiny berms and and rock drops uh, sorry rock drops uh there's a few sections that i remember which were you're going along and you just see this rock ahead of you. I was looking over the edge and it was just, you've got to, well, I had to plan my way down it. Um, but it was just, it's its this kind of mix of terrifying but still manageable stuff um, that just gives you this thrill when you actually manage it. Because I, I think that the the first section gives you a lot of confidence because you're just flying over it and it's it's quite easy it leads you in quite well so you've got small jumps at first building up building up building up to these tabletops and you get up the speed and it builds your confidence and you drop into the trees um and then again it's just kind of smaller stuff little rocks and then it sort of leads you up to these bigger drops and into these rocky outcrops that are just crazy um and I think, I don't know if it's been designed that way. I imagine it probably has by a really clever trail designer. If not, it's a brilliant accident. But it just, it seems to build your confidence in both these sections. And it's got these two contrasting sections, like the fast speed and openness of the top, where you can see all these views around you, down to this close little dark confines of the forest at the bottom. It's just, it's amazing. It's a great trail. And it's such a pity it's so far away because I would love to go more often. But I just, it's, it's a long way to go to get up there. So I can't. Um, but I need to get up there. <laughs> I haven't talked about it now. I need to get up there again soon. Um, so uh, yeah, anyway, that's Golsby. So if you're ever in Scotland and you ever can make it up to the north, get yourself to the Golsby uh, Wildcat Trails and uh, 
try them out. Let me know what you think. So anyway, that is my top five. Uh, I hope I've given you enough information about each to make uh, uh, an informed decision about whether it's worth actually making the trip to come here. Uh, if you're coming from anywhere, like if you're coming up from England saying it's a good journey, then you might want to choose a, an area to go to, like the southwest of Scotland or the Central Belt or whatever, or even up north. Um, I mean, there's tons more trails around um, in each section. So like Galsby has got um, a number of trails up there, like Strathpuffer, uh, Strathpeffer, sorry. Uh, the Puffer is a, a race that goes on Strathpeffer. Uh, you've got the Lurney Red, all that kind of stuff up there. Uh, Murray Monster Trails, so there's a few up there you can look into. Um, Lagan as well. So around Lagan, you've got the new trail, uh, Glen something. I can't remember what it's called now, but it's a new custom-built trail that's really close to Lagan. Uh, not really close, but around that area. So if you're in Inverness, you can basically reach all of these trails around there, or having more too. If you're in the Central Belt, you've got um, Glentress and Inverleathen. So if you want to stay in Edinburgh or Glasgow, you can reach both of them reasonably easily, along with um, Carron Valley. Uh, you've got a couple around Glasgow, um, like the uh, the Scottish um, Commonwealth Games ones, for example, uh, just to the southwest of Glasgow. Uh, then you've got southwest of Scotland, which has all of the ones like Carochtree, sorry, uh, you've got A um, Forest, you've got Dalbiti, maybe, uh, and you've got Newcastleton. So there's that's probably the three areas that I would go to. If I was in Scotland, I would choose to stay in either southwest Scotland, so pr- probably Dumfries or further west, um, or I would stay in maybe Edinburgh, is probably the closest. Um, to get to both Carron Valley and um, and Leith and Glentress, those type of places. Or if you stay in Aviemore or um, uh, Inverness, then you get those uh, trails all up in the north. Uh, And I'll hopefully do a podcast on each of those three areas at some time in future and go through uh, those other trails that I've just mentioned, which I haven't gone into detail. So that'll do it for today. I hope that covers it for you, Gavin. Uh, hopefully get somebody on to do the UK, uh, wider UK area soon, so getting England and Wales in there too. Um, but uh, I hope that covers it mostly. Uh, I would love to hear what you think, of course. Want your feedback, so tell me what trails you think, uh, what, what are your favourite trails in Scotland? Have you, been, have you been to Scotland before? Do you want to come? Um, ask me any questions about any of the trails around here. Um, or give me your feedback on the trails that I've talked about or the trails that I haven't mentioned that you think should be in a top five. Uh, obviously, just do that um, by going to mountainbikespark.com forward slash 10 to get to the podcast episode 10 page. Or you can leave me voicemail as well. So go on there and hit the voicemail button. That'd be great. So thanks as usual for getting in touch. As always, uh, uh, reviews on iTunes would be really appreciated. Other than that, uh, enjoy your week. Uh, of biking and uh, I'll see you next time cheers the music in this podcast is off-road ice cream truck by Jupiter Skydrive it's used under a creative commons license and you can find them on Jamendo.